We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today I've got Brody Welch with me. Brody is an acupuncturist in the state of Oregon, and when she's uh, not busy working with her patients, she uh, plays cello in a classic rock, folk sort of band, you know, the kind that you listen to songs of death and tap your feet to. Um, She's got a big component of her practice that's about teaching and empowerment of patients. You know, a lot of times folks say that they're not sure where to go with their care. And it seems like care is really disjointed between different kinds of practitioners. And and Brody and I had been talking earlier, and we kind of came up with that, well, there is one person who coordinates the care. And that's the person in the middle, which is, generally speaking, the patient. So Brody does a lot of really interesting work with that and helping people to get the most out of their health care and the most out of their life. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with her today. Brody, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. I'm really happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, this will be great. So we had talked a little while ago, and the topic of inertia came up, habits and inertia, how we kind of get stuck in whatever groove we're stuck in, and how Chinese medicine helps people to pop the groove. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the real strengths of Chinese medicine is that we we get to look at not only the symptom that we're treating, but how it fits into the larger context of somebody's life. I, I forget who said it, but that um, that we are what we repeatedly do, right? You know that that notion that how we usually move through the world, what we you know forty percent of the day we spend on autopilot. 
um, you know, we only forty percent. Yeah, that's the estimate. I would um, love. To, I would love to only have forty percent of my day spent on autopilot. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just, I guess, like that. True. You know that that doing literally the same things day in and day out of getting up at the same time and going through the same routine of you make your coffee, you take your shower, you put on your left shoe, you put on your right shoe. You know, just the that so many of these. Of, of our day is spent in these habitual ways. And, you know, that really, if we're willing to change any of it, we open up all kinds of new possibilities, right? So like, if we change our input, whether that's our dietary input, or what what we're listening to, uh, you know, on our way to work, or what kind of relationships we're cultivating, or our habitual way of interpreting the world, the way we talk to ourselves, um, you know, our, our habituated belief patterns, are, and it at all, you know, how we're breathing, how we're moving, all contributes to how we end up feeling. And so the opportunity to come into a, a practitioner's office and say like, well, I've got this shoulder pain or I've got this digestive issue, being able to kind of broaden out from that symptom and look at, you know, the kind of the the climate that, that got the person there and, and the what's what is happening habitually that is keeping it around. Because yeah. really... It's a, that's the, um, getting curious about it. Well, that is one of the really interesting things about Chinese medicine is it tends to take this much broader view. It's not just about that there's shoulder pain. I mean, yes, objectively there's shoulder pain and, and that's what brought somebody in. And of course the patient would like to see that change. The practitioner would like to see that change too, right? We're there to help people. Of course. And yet sometimes I, I, I have found recently that sometimes people come in to my practice and there's something they want to get rid of because it's really bothersome to them. Mm -hmm. But whatever that thing is, is actually in some ways keeping them from going completely off the rails in some sort of way. Right? Like there's a, a secondary gain to that problem being around. Well, it, let me give you an example. So let's just say someone, I'm thinking of a situation this week. Okay, someone comes in, they've got a digestive issue. They want their digestion to settle down. And yet their digestion is, is um, a problem because they've got a certain amount of stress in their life because of habits. We're just, you were just talking about this. Habits that they have. Mainly habits about how they think about who they should be. Mm -hmm. That yeah, I, I see that person <laughs> five times a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon pattern. And yet... Yep. Often these folks, their digestion will have, have settled down for years because they're taking Prilosec or, you know, whatever. Yes. Um, but, you know, now it's gotten worse because, you know, the underlying issues have not been addressed. And so sometimes I'm thinking if I take away this, I'll put it in air quotes, symptom, mm -hmm. then I take away the opportunity for someone to really dig into another piece of their life. Yeah, that yeah, and, they're and, looking to dig into, and the digestion is going to settle out all by itself because it's just a canary in a coal mine. Exactly, it's it's a piece of uh, of the bigger puzzle. It's a it's the kind of thing where it, that if you if you quiet that symptom into submission, you know, like by whether with drugs or with herbs or whatever you're using. Um, without getting curious as to the underlying cause, you know, it's, yeah, it's going to come back and it's largely, you know, that it's usually going to come back stronger and louder than, than dealing with it and its underlying cause. And so, so yeah, looking at what is for, for your patient, 
helping them see the connection between the stress and the digestive issue is doing them a much a deeper service and really is like, yeah, that what pressures are they putting on themselves as to how they need to show up in the world? And, and if they can, if they can shift that, if they're willing to let that part of themselves die, you know, like, and, and really be able to kind of paint with different colors, right. Or pick up a different tool from the toolbox, then it's, um, it can be really freeing, not only for taking the stress away, but, but also just for that person's ability to become a more full version of themselves. Mm. How do you help people do that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I think that starts with asking, asking a deeper question, you know, or asking, asking instead of saying like, yeah, how's your back, you know, or how's your shoulder? It's, uh, you know, that, um, helping to hold up the mirror for people by just asking kind of like about what's going on in their lives in general, like what's, what's happening? How are you really? And being willing to, to hear the whole story and making time for that. I think a lot of times people get it when simply when they have the space to reflect on what's going on for them. Um, is that something that very few, there's very few settings where they're allowed to bring all parts of themselves, their physical, their mental, their emotional, their spiritual, or even just different systems of the body, right? In Western medicine, there, you know, there's, there's all sorts of specialists who are interested in that one thing, but not necessarily the whole of the person. And so just being able to give someone the space to reflect on uh, what is happening now in life, in relationships, in work, in the body and in terms of what they want to be, what they want to be cultivating and where they're stuck and, you know, just how they're feeling overall, just, just creating that space um, is the first step. What about the person who just wants their shoulder pain to go away? Actually, they don't want anything else other than their shoulder pain to go away. That is totally legitimate, you know, that there's it and there is there's certainly certain cases where that's possible, um, but it's usually not possible unless the person takes some responsibility for doing something different, right? If the person, if the shoulder pain originated from an injury and they refuse to stop using it or overusing it or straining it, they're fundamentally not letting the body heal. Yeah, this is this is why athletes can be so difficult to work with. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm in the same boat. I can use myself as an example here. Chronic lower back pain. You know, it's like, I just want it to feel better. I just want to be able to do my life. Exactly. Um, you know, and and I've had back pain for 20 years and things help it, you know, like a little bit. Acupuncture is great. Massage is great. Chiropractic is great. But only for a little while, it always comes back. And I, I'd love to just I'd love to just not have that symptom ever dog me. But the fact is, is, is like that is, it's been a great teacher for me. I know that, that like in order to get it better, for example, or last year and for several years prior, I'd been going to yoga five, six days a week and doing this really intense practice and, and then realizing that it was actually hurting me um, more than helping. And, I would, you know, and the, on the days that I wasn't doing yoga, I would be climbing, hiking up this large hill near where I live. And this is like, these are my happy places. These are, this is what I love in the world. And I've also been kind of driving and striving to create more things and, you know, to parent when I get home and to write new online classes and all this stuff. And, and really, when I kind of panned out, from the physical symptom and realize that, okay, yeah, like me too, this isn't just a physical problem 
or, you know, or the physical things that I'm doing, maybe something that I'm doing is hurting me. And so quitting yoga entirely in favor of uh, really slow, unimpressive looking kind of uh, and on my bedroom floor kind of stretches and breathing and self-massage and making sure that I stretch after hiking and striving a little less. And, you know, my back feels better. Mm. It's, um, you know, like that, that all of these things, being a little bit more yin, being a little less yang really helped to take down the pain levels for me. And now I can actually go back to yoga and have a net positive effect on my body. You used a, uh, a term that I really, it, it caught my attention, symptom as teacher. Yeah. So, and, and circling back to that person who just wants their shoulder to feel better, it's like, well, it's, it's unlikely that something is going to, you know, that, that symptom that symptom came from somewhere. And so changing the background on which that symptom arose, you know, like then, and maybe it was just a one-time trauma, but maybe it's not being allowed to heal. And that's, that's where we get to take some responsibility for, well, what am I doing? That's maybe in the way of that healing process. Cause the body's always striving for homeostasis. You were talking about the background of the symptom. Yeah. The ba- or the background that the symptom comes out of. And as Chinese medicine practitioners, that that's kind of the way we think. We've been trained that way. We practice that way. And so that's, that's a worldview that most of us have. For the patients that are coming to see us, most of them experience symptom as problem. And digging into the background probably is not the first thing that comes to mind. Is, mm-hmm. Do you find that to be true in your practice? I think it depends. I think that's more true for physical symptoms. And I think a lot of people get that stress contributes to the majority of the reason that they're in the office. And so it's usually not too big a stretch to for them to get that, oh, yeah, the background is important too. Yeah. But sometimes if, when it's just, quote unquote, just a musculoskeletal issue, um, it can be a harder sell for the fact that there, we need to be looking more broadly. Yeah. So what I'm curious to know about is how you help your patients dig into that background, especially for the patients who don't recognize that there's a background that this came out of. How do you help them? How do you introduce them to that territory and help them navigate? Well, uh, so as I mentioned, the first step is is simply to to inquire as to what's going on in their lives, and it usually just becomes very apparent just get, just giving them the space to speak what's happening. Yeah, so so holding up the mirror and asking questions, but also inquiring, well, to root causes. Let's say someone's trying to lose weight, right? They're they're struggling with. Um, with weight loss and maybe unstable blood sugar issues. Maybe they've gotten those scary numbers that shows that they're heading towards diabetes and, you know, they, they don't want to go there. And so they, you know, like they come in for, for weight loss. The first thing I, I'm going to want to know, in addition to just sort of like obviously looking at at the physical, like, is there a hormonal issue here? Is there a digestive problem here? Like what's going on? Um, but just more broadly, it's like, okay, well, what, how are you eating? When are you eating? You know, are your meals taking place in the car? Okay, well, let's, like, why, why is that? What are you prioritizing beyond feeding yourself well? You know, like, are all your calories coming after 7 p.m.? In which case, like, what's going on there? Is that coming from a place of hunger or is it coming from a, another need that perhaps is being met through food instead? Um, is there, you know, is the person... You know, just like being able to look at kind of like, well, what other tendencies and patterns are coexisting with this 
inability to lose weight or with this with this unstable blood sugar issue and looking at okay yeah so maybe the person is grabbing you know high carb convenience foods you know and and eating on their way to work or you know because they are prioritizing trying to do too much you know or maybe they are you know just just looking at kind of like oh where do the priorities need to shift so that we can create a climate that's conducive to um, healthy weight loss and so just yeah looking looking at at, you know, taking the question so far away from the main complaint, you know, but looking at the, the context, it's like people start to see, people start to see like, oh, well, I'm doing this all in the service of trying to be, do the best I possibly can at my job or to, to grab the kids after school and then go visit my aging mother. And then, but, you know, like they're, they're looking at, oh yeah, I'm putting all of these other people first before, you know, bothering to, cook the food that I need to have or, or even just having groceries in the house or whatever it is that needs to shift. It's like five other things, their relationship to time needs to shift, their, you know, their priorities that need to shift in order to get to the outcome that they want. You know, one of the things I've noticed in my practice is people often will get these tremendous insights from, from following this kind of an inquiry. Mm-hmm. And they have all kinds of responses to the insights from, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize I was doing that to, oh, shit, now what? Right. <laughs> and, and, and regardless of what the response was, it seems to me that insight, while it feels good in the moment, mm-hmm. does almost nothing to, no pun intended, move the needle mm-hmm. on any kind of change. Mm. Oh, well, that's where... That is, yeah, insight alone isn't necessarily enough. It's um, the person. The person has to be motivated, right? And and motivated in a way that um, I've actually I'm really interested in habit change. I've done a lot of of reading about kind of how how habit change happens and kind of the limits of willpower and the the notion of you know like that kind of willpower is these it can be seen of as like three different muscles like the the I will do this new thing I won't do this harmful thing and then there's the third which is that like I deeply want and that's the part that's aligned with you know like the really the true the, the true motivation what you know that, that how what what do you really care about what is what is the most important thing in your life and being able to remind the person of that and to kind of like empower something in their environment, um, whether it's an image or an object or something that is going to like cue them to remembering why it matters, you know, like why it matters that we're continuing to take care of ourselves in these ways, like who will benefit from that, you know, and, and getting it, being able to kind of align with the person's motivation, what motivates them, because that's very person specific and it's going to be you know, like when we're reminded of those of those truer, true, deeper values, that is going to trump. You know, like willpower as a muscle is going to wear out throughout the day. And so, being able to to kind of like recue ourselves to living in alignment with that um, can be. It, it does. It takes reminding. And every single one of my patients leads the office with a a self-care assignment that's written down and that we agree on. So it's really much more like Chinese medicine coaching than it is about, you know, like then, um, you know, here, take these herbs or, you know, here, get these, these needles. And that really it's all in the service of Jeffrey Yuen. I don't know if you've ever studied with him, but uh, he, he has this wonderful term that I have adopted, um, psychosclerosis, <laughs> right? the hardening of the psyche around who we think we are. 
Ooh, boy. And I love it. It's, you know, because so much of that is being able to part with um, with these parts of our identity that we cherish and that, you know, and that it's like, oh, well, if, if I stop this overworking, over-serving, over-striving, well, then then what if I'm not good enough? Or then what, if, you know, like, then then who am I? Or, you know, it, it, and it's it's scary to lose these habits that make us feel good about who we are in the world. Well, I think it's scary to lose habits, even the habits that don't make us feel good in the world. There's a certain comfort in the apparent stability that a habit has. Exactly, it is. It's, 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 um, it's a rut. It's a groove, right? And ruts can be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can take your hands off the wheel. Exactly. Yeah. You take your well, and it, and it's like it's it's the pain that you're familiar with. It's like, oh yeah, it's just my lower back again. It's just this thing that I've put up with. Yeah, thank God it's my yeah. lower back and not my heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How can acupuncture help with popping these grooves and getting more connected with that quieter voice that you talked about from the depth, the thing that you actually want? Yeah, can acupuncture help with that stuff? I think acupuncture, like if we, again, if we, if we throw acupuncture in, in the context of applied Chinese medical philosophy, absolutely. And certainly acupuncture itself can, um, if we think about like in Chinese medicine, we think about uh, the five element types, right? You know, and I'm not a five element practitioner, but we can think of. Oh, we're, you know what? We're all five element practitioners. Nobody can practice Chinese medicine as an acupuncturist and not have some consideration of that ancient, ancient scientific slash philosophical orientation. Well, it's how we, it's the life cycle of everything in the universe, right? That it's, it's, uh, it's the pattern of change and it's, uh, and, and obviously, um, seeing kind of where we are in that cycle of change in our lives right now opens up a different possibility. But also recognizing uh, kind of our habituated tendencies, you know, that it as allows us to to pick up a different tool. And so acupuncture can certainly, you know, yeah, we can support an element that the person isn't spending very much time with and disperse one where. Uh, that's overactive, and then we can also go home and and practice living kind of in harmony with these different kinds of energy. So, if somebody is, you know, like a, let's say they are in an earth imbalance where they are taking on, you know, like they're saying yes when they really mean no. They are, um, you know, they're bending their boundaries because they are, it's because they're comfortable pleasing other people and maybe they're not uh, taking enough time for themselves. They're putting everyone else first and they are, that person you know, that's a habit. That's a habit that's perhaps giving rise to whatever symptoms that that person's experiencing. And what needs to happen is that that person needs to learn some wood tools, right? Like that, that person needs to exercise a different element within themselves as mm-hmm. opposed to being this like nurturing, accommodating, like ever loyal, ever serving being. It's like, yeah, they can still be that person. And at the same time, practice, you know, kind of like the, the upward outward energy of wood that allows them to say, you know, that's not going to work for me tomorrow to be able to, to draw some boundaries, to be say, you know, like, yeah, that's actually, while I usually would, I'd love to say yes, but no, <laughs> like this time around, it's just, this isn't going to work for me. Stopping, uh, accommodating other people's behavior that they really shouldn't be accommodating. And, yeah. and when they are able to do that, you know, when they're able to change their script, 
the whole, you know, like then everybody else has to adapt, right? Their 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 boss or their coworkers or their family members um, also have to change what's going on there. And then look, that person suddenly has time to take care of themselves in a way that they may not have otherwise. And so, yeah, we can initiate that change on the table with, um, with some earth points or some wood points, but we can also send the person home with an acupressure assignment with essential oils in addition to like, well, here's what's need what needs to happen in those relationships. And and here's kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, and also to engender kind of wood energy, um, you know, that here, here are some, here's some qigong, here's some movement, here's some exercise that can help you embody that element as opposed to, you know, the ever accommodating earth. Yeah. And so people can, people can apply it to their lives in all kinds of different ways. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'd love to know about what topics are of interest to you. If you have a health concern, or if you want to know specifics about how acupuncture can help to promote vibrant well-being, visit the website at www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and send an email. Well, I like this term that you use, um, what would you say, applied Chinese philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. So this raises a little question for me. My practice is in the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not on the I'm not out on the left coast like you are. Yes. And so I've got a lot of people coming in here and they've got some pretty strong beliefs and they don't want their beliefs changed. And and I'll often get the question, well, do I have to believe in this for it to work? And of course, we all know the answer is no. You simply <laughs> do the treatment and judge by the results you get. Or, or that you point to the the animals that get better, presumably without an invested belief for or against acupuncture. Well, animals are placebootic by nature, I guess. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But they, they they're very they're they're highly suggestible, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I practice in a town of of uh, primarily engineers. It's you know it's where oh, Oregon. Great. State, okay. I'm, I'm where Oregon State University and Hewlett Packard are located. So I have a lot of very left brainy people. And Perfect. <laughs> okay. Great. So this this really helps dial this question in for me. Then we're talking about applying a philosophy and a point of view that is often quite a bit foreign to most Western minds. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know how you can present this to people and and get them to work with it without setting off the um, rational side of the brain going, oh, yeah, that's a bunch of hooey. I, I think there's two things there. One is that they don't actually have to believe in anything in order to understand that there's wisdom in it. A particular belief system no one has to buy into Taoism or Buddhism or any aspect of Chinese philosophy in order to see how it can be helpful for them. Uh, so, for example, if somebody's if somebody's doing the overwork thing, right? If they are um, they're getting home from work and they're eating dinner and they're going back to work, and as a result, they're getting these headaches. They have tight neck and shoulders, and they have um, and and that's their main complaint. That's what we're dealing with. I can point out to them 
that, oh yeah, just like in nature, you know, day is followed by day, which is followed by day, which is, and the person looks at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm, and I'm like, yeah, right. Cause their day is followed by night, which is followed by day. And, and we actually know from, you know, like all sorts of research bears out the fact that when you take a 15 minute break, you're more productive afterwards, you know, like that this idea of, of, um, yang being the only thing we value and not valuing yin, right? So valuing speed and productivity and all that. It's, um, the idea that, yeah, like taking, getting up from your desk, moving your neck and shoulders, stretching, doing some self-massage. These are, <laughs> these getting are the things. Exactly. Looking right. out yeah. the window. Having, having some downtime at not, uh, yes, like all of these things are going to directly impact how the person feels. And I tell them to, to go try it and see what happens. And, and the sort of, and then this deeper stuff, this, you know, kind of like picking up a different tool or, or, or interacting with the world differently. You don't have to be a Buddhist or a Taoist or anything to recognize that these are all possibilities inherent in all humans and that it's just behavior. And, you know, that there's just really the, the capacity to show up differently. It's like just because you're not used to doing it doesn't mean you're not capable of it. Right. That is a really, that's a poignant distinction. Being able to, to take a risk and give it a shot and see how it feels, it's really all just doing experiments in the laboratory of the person's own body. It's like they don't have to take my word for it. They can try it out and see if they like it or not. Well, I find I do this in my practice all the time when i tuning into something that might be helpful for someone. Mm-hmm. I don't at all suggest that they make a change. Mm-hmm. But I suggest that they, they do an experiment. Put on, put on your white scientist lab coat and your geeky glasses and try this thing for 30 days and then see how you feel. Yeah, or sometimes like two days. I mean, there's a lot of things that can take, <laughs> that can be pretty immediate when the, when people are willing to just give it a shot and they'll see really quickly, oh yeah, like 10 minutes of stretching makes a big difference or you know, five minutes of self-massage for my neck and shoulders prevents my headache. If I stop drinking the ice water, my stomach feels better. Yeah. You know, 10 conscious breaths three times a day is one of my favorite ways of, of helping people press pause and ten. kind of... Like, you know, I can usually mm-hmm. get to about three and then I'm done. Uh-huh. I'm already wandering <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you don't have to do 10, in a, 10 conscious breaths in a row, do you? You can break them up throughout the day, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Good. <laughs> I hate failure. Right. Well, just just pausing is can be so important just pausing and asking you know what's my motivation right now what am i doing mm. and this you know we have this notion of right action arising by itself in mm-hmm. chinese medicine right and so so often it's like if we're in the moment we know what that right action is right action arising by itself T- tell us more about that that's a that's a really juicy term tell us more about that how you, and and how somebody would know how to get to that. Because often I think a lot of us are confused. Do I do this? Do I do that? Research says this. My friends say that. My family says another thing. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, I got a report to get out. How do you do that? Well, cutting through the noise of all of all of that conflicting information requires, uh, like, th- there's a problem in the fact that you've outsourced the answer. You know, like, a lot of times the answer is something that your body is already already knows right this this notion of of inner wisdom and our capacity to access it it's a capacity that we all have that maybe we we don't necessarily always access but 
but it's there, you know, and, and so often it's the body doesn't communicate or, or like we're used to trusting our minds and not our bodies. We're used to, to believing everything our minds think and, and not really cultivating a dialogue with the breath, with the body, tuning into these different layers, right? And in yoga philosophy, there's, the, you know, the notion of, um, of the koshas, right? The different layers of, of being. And in Chinese medicine, we have these different layers of qi, right? Like wei qi, ying qi, and yuan qi. And there, mm-hmm. so there's that, like the energy on the surface, you know, like what what am I protecting myself against? What, a, you know, like what do I see as a threat? That is kind of that that wei qi layer and the ying qi, the nutritive qi, like what's nourishing for me? What's feeding me right now? And, and what isn't? What's kind of creating this lingering turbidity we call dampness like what that and then deeper like what's what's essential the the yuan chi layer that that level of essence or who we really are or where our potential is and you know kind of that getting down to what's really important doing kind of like a check in on each of those layers is is a meditation that i sometimes assign to my people or in yoga philosophy the the layers being the the physical body the mind, breath, or the energy body, the you know pranamaya kosha, and the other layers are the wisdom layer and the bliss layer, right? This idea that there is this layer of wisdom that is always with us, that getting quiet enough to hear it and tuning into it and learning how it communicates is, um, it, you know, I think of it as like kind of doing like a wu-wei spot check throughout the day, you know, kind of like that, that being in the flow, right? Being able to know the right thing right now requires being in the moment, requires being present. And so for a lot of people having, you know, developing a practice of meditation, whether that's seated meditation, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's qigong or tai chi or yoga or whatever pathway somebody wants to use to to kind of tune in, practicing it initially during the day will help you practice it throughout the day. And, you know, and that really does require, don't listen to what anybody else is saying or what studies are saying or what's true for people in general. It's like, what's true for you in this moment? And being able to practice tuning into that layer. And then, of course, the last layer in, in yoga philosophy is the bliss layer. It's like that that notion that being utterly content is possible for us in any moment and being able to drop into that and practicing dropping into that. Um, again, I don't know how people do it without a practice. So that's something that, that I try to teach people if they don't already have a way of tuning in. Well, there's television. <laughs> there is television. <laughs> No, wait, no, actually. Do you find that that helps you tune nah, into yourself? that's no. I, well, I don't really watch television, so it doesn't. No, I, I find it that's more distracting. It doesn't tune tune me in so much as it uh, distracts me, especially when the new season of House of Cards comes on. It's you know mm-hmm. my meditation practice goes out the window. Actually, <laughs> it's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, there's only so many hours in the day. Well, I just love this term of yours. I'm going to start using it with my patients. Don't outsource your answers. That's really powerful. Do you have some materials on your website about this? I have, uh, possibly. There's a lot on my website. For In terms of resources that people can access, I have a, I forget what I call it these days, but a couple of free resources. One is a guided breathing meditation that can help pe- people become aware of the breath and drop into kind of a slower more relaxed, deeper, more gentle breath to create a relaxed nervous system. And so that's one kind of a, I think it's like seven minutes long, it's a resource. And then a quick little Qigong video that combines breath with movement that helps balance yin and yang in the body. And people can grab that for free. Mm -hmm. Good. And give us your website real quick. And, And I'll put it on the show notes too. It's brodywelch.com. And then if people want to dive deeper, I have courses on 
learning Qigong and on an eight-week course on examining the the sources of stress in your life and being able to well, learn all sorts of different ways of dealing with stress and anxiety Great. from a Chinese medicine standpoint. So in talking about stress, and, and that seems to yeah. be a theme that's been running through our conversation today, there are a few things in life that are more stressful than a diagnosis, right? And I, and I mean mm-hmm. diagnosis with like the scary music behind it, not the yeah. uh, folky toe-tapping, uh, <laughs> brass that's a different soundtrack. That's exactly. a different soundtrack. So I find a lot of people will come in to my practice, and when I ask about who they are or what they got going on or you know what's up, the first thing they come out with is their diagnosis. It's not like oh I'm not sleep. I mean, it, it's a diagnosis, right? I am X Y Z. I have X Y Z. It seems to me sometimes they're living so much inside their diagnosis that they've lost track of everything else that's going on in life. And as a medical practitioner, of course, I'm here to help, and I'm here to help with diagnoses. And, you know, in fact, I do a diagnosis of my own, right, mm-hmm. so I can get a better idea of how to help someone. And uh, you know, if you're in a state where uh, there's insurance, you have to put diagnostic code on an insurance form or, yep. you know, money doesn't change hands. So there's a question. What is my question here? I've got a question here. Hang on a second. I'm going to noodle around this for a moment. The question is this. How do you live beyond diagnosis? And what I mean by that is how do you live with it and through it without denying it Mm -hmm. and also not letting it limit you? That's that's a really important question. And I I do, I agree. I I see people get attached to their diagnoses um, or, you know, give it nicknames. It can be the thing that people are using to define themselves. And I think that I mean, the first thing is that directly out of Chinese medicine is this notion that the only constant is change and Mm. that change is already happening, you know, like that, that again, like the body is always striving for wellness. And so, okay, let's say they do have, they have something that's chronic and ongoing. They have fibromyalgia, they have ulcerative colitis, they have, you know, like something that is like, it is a diagnosis. It is something that the, that they will likely always have to manage. The first thing is getting the person attached to their healing process instead of their disease process, recognizing or helping them to see kind of like, first of all, just like within relation, like how do they dance with that diagnosis? Like what things tend to help and what things tend to hurt? Like what what kinds of things lead to flare-ups and what kinds of things lead to remission? What kinds of things, how are you a part of this process and what does it have to teach you? You know, so like, first of all, just kind of cultivating a dialogue with those symptoms like we've been talking about and also being able to identify kind of what's right with your life, you know, like in addition to to what's wrong, um, you know, or even even though you have this X, Y, and Z condition, it, like what's important to you? What, what are you trying to create? What are you trying to let go of? Like what, what is, it, because it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily contingent on those symptoms magically going away. I'm just quiet here for a moment because it, that I'm just letting that sink in. It's such a powerful thing. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, well, you know, I know, um, I'm going to share this with our listeners. We have these ideas, well, this applied philosophy, basically. But one of the th- things in it that I find very powerful is there's this aspect of us called the Zheng Qi, right? The upright Qi. And the Zheng Qi is everything about us that's right. 
you know, the correct hormonal balance, the right blood sugar, the easy flowing emotions, the sleep that comes when it should, and the wakefulness that happens when it needs to arrive. Uh, there, and there's no matter how sick we are, and mm-hmm. even up to the point of death, there's always an aspect of Zheng Qi. There's always, and this is not a Pollyanna thing. No, it's no. but it's so much fun to get to root for the righteous chi. We get <laughs> to, to root get for to, the righteous chi. It's such a wonderful thing about being a practitioner is we get to see that and practicing seeing the person as whole, you know, like seeing what's going right with them and helping them see that for themselves. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and and that o- requires overcoming the negativity bias that we as humans have developed because at one point it was really really important to know that uh, you know, yeah, that's okay. That herb tastes all right. This food will help keep us alive. But don't ever eat that plant over there, which is going to kill you. Being able to to pay attention to what's wrong, yes, that's important. And that's kind of like what our brains are, are habituated to do over the course of millennia. And yet, it's really important that we consciously and uh, focus on and and really bring out you know whether that's through a practice of gratitude or you know like journaling uh, that that a lot of times like just shifting the focus to what is right and to to indeed the things that the body is still succeeding at and what it's still capable of yes and the beautiful thing about chinese medicine that we can do either with with various practices like we've been talking about or acupuncture or herbs is that we can take that Zheng Qi and you can strengthen what's already strong mm-hmm. so that, that you can work from the strength. Now, of course, there's this other Qi, the Xie Qi, right? The, the pathogenic Qi. In common English terms, we could just say, you know, the, the problem that you got. Yeah. And yeah, there are methods where the idea is to get rid of that, cut it out, make it as small as possible, poison it, you know, whatever, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's effective, Right, and sometimes working the strength, the strength itself will take care of what's what's a problem. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Or maybe even just like getting around the problem. One patient comes to mind who is someone who has fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, a, a whole slew of of issues, and she's been on disability pretty much her whole life. And but the most important thing to her is being able to make art. You know, like that if she can have, you know, she spends a lot of time taking care of herself and she has very little energy throughout the day. So she feels like 80% of her day is simply spent trying to do things to to make her life bearable. She's got like this 20% window of possibility. And if she can think clearly enough to make art without the brain fog, or if she can feel, if she could be in, if her pain level can be to the point where she can actually kind of sit and craft, then her whole life is better. You know, if she feels like she's doing her purpose, if she's creating art. And so just, it's the kind of thing where like, so the focus of our treatments isn't necessarily as grandiose as like, you know, like we're never necessarily going to get all these things to be quiet at once. But if we can help her achieve that outcome, that is the most important thing to her, then it's a success. You know, we think about it as like, this is, this is medicine. This is helpful. Yeah. That's a great question. What is the thing that's actually important here? That's a great question. I'm going to start laying this on my patients next week just to see what happens. Bert, we're going to wind this down here in a moment. I've, got, I've just got one more question that I'd like to explore with you. Patients always come in with some sort of goal, right? They, they've either got something that they don't want and they want to get rid of it usually, or there's something they don't have and they'd like to get it. They've usually got some kind of goal, or it's that Um, you know, classic shoulder problem that we talked about earlier. So the patient has their goals. 
And the practitioner often has their goals for what they want for the patient. When those are in alignment with each other, it, it's pretty easy to work. Mm-hmm. But if those aren't, at least on the surface, are not apparently in line, how do you work with that situation? I think recognizing that that situation exists is an important first step. You know, that I like making sure that, well, as a patient myself, I like to understand what it is we're aiming at and, you know, and, and kind of what that is going to require of me and what kind of an outcome I can expect and in how long. If I, as a practitioner, then, if I can see all the potential of ways that, that someone could potentially be helped in, in our work together, but that's not necessarily what they're interested in, I usually meet them where they are. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that. It's like, okay, I get that achieving this particular goal is important to you. To me, if it seems like we can't go there unless we address the bigger context, I'll say that. You know, and, and I'll, I'll let them know. It's kind of like, okay, well, we can continue. You can come in here every month for the same tight neck and shoulders and chronic headaches. If that's what you want, you know, like then, you, yeah, like if you're, if you're not willing to do the self-care that I'm prescribing, if you're not willing to change your lifestyle or your habit, if you're not willing to take herbs, if you're, you know, like if, if you want me to be responsible for your healing, we can do that. But you're just need to, you're just going to need to come in every two weeks or every four weeks or however long. And we'll do the same thing over and over again until you are ready to shift you know, something else. And for a lot of time, it's like, that is tremendously of service. It's like, if that's, if the person, you know, is not taking care of themselves and they're not prioritizing themselves and what they're doing is they're coming in and they're paying me to take care of them, that's an honor. And I am totally willing to do that. And provided that they understand that like kind of that's the gig, you know, but if when they're ready to, to go deeper, I'm ready to craft a different treatment plan with them and allow them to be to take a larger role in, in creating a different relationship with their symptoms and perhaps changing the climate such that those symptoms won't arise again. Uh, but that's something that I think requires dialogue and it requires, it requires a buy-in from both sides of the table because certainly if I'm more attached to somebody's, uh, like I, I can only control what I do in the treatment room and I can't control the rest of the person's life or the circumstances that they're going to encounter or the choices that they make and recognizing that it's not the practitioner that's doing the healing that it, there is, you know, people heal themselves and, and that's part of a larger context. And so making sure that, that everyone understands that sort of being on the same page, I think is really important. You know, this is such a huge difference between conventional medicine and the medicine that we practice is that we know that patients heal themselves, often with some help, some guidance, some practice. Sure. But patients always get credit for, for their own healing. Well, and, and it's really, as a practitioner, I, I mean, I used to have my happiness rise and fall with how well my people were doing. And that was horrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, prescription for sleepless nights. Absolutely. I mean, because really, it's like, yes, as practitioners, several thousand year old medicine that we'll never know all of, plus all of Western medicine, and plus all of, you know, functional medicine, all these different things that we're supposed to know everything about, not possible. All we can do is apply the tools that we've learned to the best of our ability, and give people um, as much kind of bring people over to our side of the lens as much as possible so that they can see what they could be doing to help themselves. And that's it, you know, like, all the, then we then we get to let it go. And then it's up to yeah. the person and it's up to that these other factors that 
that we as practitioners can't possibly be in control of. No, we can't. And so, you know, this idea of yours of, of helping people to play in a bigger playground, so to speak, connecting them up with the resources mm-hmm. that they've got and uh, letting that help, is it makes so much sense. Cultivation, right? Absolutely. And empowerment. A lot of people are really excited to play a larger role in their in their healing process. So for the people that are looking for some of those resources, you mentioned your website. And again, I'm going to put it on the show notes page. Mm-hmm. You have some online stuff that you offer. Is that right? I have two courses where people can learn from anywhere. There is, I have a, a three-module movement multivitamin qigong class which is basically like learning the basics of qigong um you know sort of energy cultivation and i call it the movement multivitamin it's sort of an adaptation of of an old uh one of the oldest qigong forms that we have that is basically one movement per system of the body so it's kind of like medicine for that system i teach that in an online format and then there's a, a larger, more substantial course about, about really creating a different relationship with your nervous system through the tools of Chinese medicine. And that, you know, helps people look at looking at their beliefs that keep them trapped in cycles of stress and overwork. Great. Well, we'll have all those links and things on the show notes page so people can just jump right over to it. Brody, thank you. That was fun. That was really fun. Thanks so much for having me on, Michael. hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week. 